Dear NBA, hire more fucking black coaches. I'm Matt. I'm Paul. Welcome to Basketballers. So today I want to start with something that just cracks me up so much, and I just love it because it's about two people. One is an ex-NBA player, one is still a current NBA player, one of which I love, one of which I really dislike. So it's kind of like the perfect thing, and I know, Paul, you feel the same way about both of these players. So we can start talking about who it's mainly about. And we can even talk about how this guy was as a player because he was amazing. It's Shaq. Shaq was a dominant force of nature. Shaq was amazing. Back in the day, I mean, so he started in Orlando and then kind of traveled around, but mainly known for his Lakers when he won the title with Kobe. Or two titles. Three titles. Three titles. Three titles. Not one. Not, not two, two. But three. And then he won one in Miami in 06 with D. Wade. Yep. Carried a little bit by D-Wade, but still, I mean, I think we kind of overlook sometimes the Kobe and Shaq that they won three titles because that's tough to do. I mean, Michael Jordan did it twice, which is why he's Michael Jordan, but I mean, even Wade, LeBron, and Bosh in Miami couldn't win three. They only won two. Golden State could only win two in a row. And I do think that Shaq is overlooked as a player because he's... An analyst now, he's always been kind of a goof. Kazam, obviously, the incredible blockbuster, Oscar-winning <laughs> success that that was. He's a goofy guy, but he needs his credit as a player. I mean, to me, just off the top of my head, to me, Kareem is the greatest center of all time. Yeah, I've been trying to convince Matt of this for years. No, you haven't. I feel like it. I've always thought Kareem was the best center. I think you're thinking of your other friend who loves basketball, which is when you look in the mirror, Paul. (laughs) (laughs) So Kareem, to me, is the best center of all time. It's pretty non-negotiable. But after that, honestly, you could argue kind of anybody. There's Bill Russell. There's Wilt. Shaq. Hakeem probably would be the next four to me. Yep. But, and Bill Russell and Wilt Chamberlain deserve their respect for, first of all, Bill Russell won more championships than anybody as a player. And Wilt Chamberlain was so dominant in the era he played in. Oh, just another athletic freak of nature. Just insane athlete. And then just just the ability of Hakeem. Yeah, I love Hakeem. Yeah, I mean his... Hakeem the dream, baby. Watching those highlights are just amazing. Yeah, the skills with which he played were insane. Yeah. One of the most skilled big men of all time. Shaq dominated with power. Correct. But Shaq was also very skilled, like, footwork-wise. He had a lot of, you know, pivots, and then just dunk it in your face, and you're like, where did that come from? Yeah, Hakeem's repertoire is just so big. Oh, yeah. I he mean, just had, he had so yeah. many different moves to beat you with. And, and Hakeem has been putting on school, like, every summer for NBA players to go to and learn post moves. Like, Shaq's not doing that. No one's going to Shaq and like, hey, teach me your post moves because they were awesome. No, they're like, hey, Shaq, if you want to teach me anything, teach me how to be really big and yeah. run fast and dunk. Yeah, teach me how to be, like, a superhuman athlete. <laughs> but, I mean, just on top of the physical, you know, specimen that he was, he was a very skilled player also. But Shaq probably broke more backboards in the 1990s than anyone else. Just an insane amount of power that he would have dunking the ball. Yeah, the fact that they had to redesign how they built the hoops. I bet Shaq could go down to a local park, like a double rim park, and probably break it. Yeah. The rims that are designed to like withstand 100 years of snow and sleet and everything, and Shaq would just be like, yeah, but I'm like 300 pounds with a lot of force, and you're coming down. Yeah, he was really fun to watch, and again, I think his dominance is sometimes forgotten about now, because we don't have as dominant of big men anymore. No, the game has kind of moved away from that. Now, if someone else comes along who's as dominant as Shaq, they they make themselves known, right? Like, there's still a place for that, but you just have to be 
super extraordinary in today's NBA. To me, the closest person in today's NBA who could be that way if they weren't so injured is... Dwight Howard. No. <laughs> Joel Embiid. DeMarcus Cousins for a while yeah. was supposed to be that, and then he got injured. Joel Embiid is probably the best post-up player in the game today. Uh, watching Nikola Jokic reminded me more of like a Hakeem style. Yes, absolutely. Or a Kareem. Where it Embiid just wasn't has that power Embiid, when he's healthy. Yeah, yeah. He can turn around just yam it in your face and it's just insane. throw it down. When he's in the post, he's very hard to guard. Yep. And people like that were... Something I loved about Shaq was that he would just dunk it on you even when you weren't expecting him to dunk it on you. You know, it's sort of the difference like Jokic today. Jokic isn't going to dunk it, you know. But Embiid will get up there and just jam it on you. Yeah, Shaq was like, you know, I could just put a little layup or a lay-in, but fuck you. I'm going to dunk in your goddamn face. I'm going to make it known, right? Like, I'm going to swing my body into you. I'm going to dunk it through you, and you're going to feel it. You're going to feel bad. (laughs) That's part of what made him so great. But back to what Paul was saying, which kind of alludes to what we're going to talk about, is Dwight Howard. So Dwight was supposed to be the second coming of Shaq. Because they both got their careers started in Orlando. And Dwight, when he started, was very good. Like, right out the gate. He was, he's just, he's got like the biggest shoulders I've ever seen on a human. I mean, he's probably 6'11", 7 foot. Just incredibly tall, buff guy. And he was a very good post player back in the day. He had some Orlando teams coached by your boy, Stan Van Gundy. Stan Van. And Stan, shout out to Stan Van for actually kind of setting those Orlando teams really set the blueprint for modern NBA. Yep, you have the one in, the four out. You kind of have that power forward who is shooting uh, three-pointers. Hito Turkaloo, baby. Yeah, Richard Lewis. Yep, Richard Lewis, those Which guys. I loved watching Richard Lewis back in the day. Richard Lewis would shoot the ball. He'd like hold the ball above his head when he shot it and then raise it up a little bit more and then shoot it. He was like 6'9", 6'10", and shooting it way above his head. Turgaloo, Lewis, and J.J. Redick. Yep, and I think Turgaloo was probably playing small forward. I think Richard Lewis. He probably was, but, I mean, they're similar sized, I think. Yeah, and Um, and Turgaloo was bringing the ball up a lot, too. Yep. So it was sort of the... Jameer Nelson. Yeah, but it was sort of like you have the four wing players, so to speak. And then you have Dwight. (laughs) Like, Dwight Howard did not touch the ball outside the paint. But he was a problem when he touched the ball in the paint. He really was. I mean, for the first several years he played, well, really in Orlando. When he played in Orlando, in Orlando. for several years, he was really, really good. And he was always a top defensive player, too. And then the end of Orlando happened. I don't think anybody thought Dwight was a piece of shit for most of his Orlando career. But he alienated Stan Van Gundy and the franchise. There is... There's a super awkward interview you can watch on YouTube where it's just Dwight basically saying, I'm not going to get the coach fired. And Stan Van being like, well, it is what it is. (laughs) And I think it was the next day he was fired. Yeah, it was like the very next day Stan Van is let go from Orlando. Because Dwight Howard had a meeting with ownership. And Dwight Howard is still there. Yeah. So you have this interview. It'd be like if me, me right now being like, you know, Matt's a great guy. I'm not looking to replace him. And then tomorrow I'm like, yeah, fuck out of here, Matt. <laughs> or you're like, welcome to the new basketballers. My name's Paul and this is... <laughs> and Matt's gone, thank God. This is Dale or whatever. <laughs> so I hope yeah. I replace you with a Dale. <laughs> I hope I replace you with a Dale. Fuck wads. <laughs> So anyway, Dwight Howard was amazing in Orlando. Then he goes to the Lakers, which was an absolute shit show. That's my favorite Lakers lineup where it was like Steve Nash, Kobe, Meta World Peace, Lamar Odom, and Dwight Howard, and Pau Gasol. They're going to win a championship. And it's like, oh, that team fucking sucked. Oh, man. They were just they, yeah, they were just dysfunctional. They just did not work well together. And that happens. Like, team chemistry is a... A bigger component. Was in that NBA. the Mike Brown Lakers? In NBA, was it? I think it might have been. Shout out to Mike Brown for continually getting paid. <laughs> I think he was collecting three different coaching checks at one point in time, which is amazing. That's, that's being let go from one job, 
getting the same job, being let go from that, still getting paid for both. Getting another job. And getting that same job for a third time while still collecting checks from the first two jobs you were let go from. That's just amazing. Shout out to Mike Brown. Shout out for getting that paper, Mike Brown. I wish I could do that. So the reason we bring up these two players to you is Lakers just won the championship. Dwight Howard was on that team. He played some valuable minutes during the playoffs, but really didn't contribute much in the finals at all. No, and he did not start every game. He did not play every game. He was kind of game scripted. If he was playing well, there there were a few games, especially against Denver, where he was playing adequately. And got His to- role in Denver was basically just to be like, hey, Jokic, I'm going to agitate the fuck out of you and try and make you miss. And he started a few games there. JaVel McGee was starting in the playoffs ahead of him before that. And yeah, he didn't start a single game in the uh, Miami series. Because he just wasn't needed. Yeah, he just... I mean, he was... Okay, and then he was really... I mean, overall, he was whatever. Yeah. He posts this Instagram story after they win. He's holding the Larry O'B trophy. Larry O'Brien is the trophy that you win when you win the championship. I call it Larry O'B because it's fun to say. O'B. So he's holding the Larry O'Brien trophy, and I'm going to paraphrase very liberally here, saying something to the effect of, you work hard... You can do anything you want. I've worked so hard at this for so long, and I finally got it. Don't give up on your dreams. Da 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 da. And for sure, there's going to be a bunch of hashtags because there always are. Yes. <laughs> and so on. I don't know if it's a podcast or a radio show or what, but Shaq was like, "I'm not going to do my Shaq impression. I almost just did." But anyway, I really want you to. <laughs> Shaq was just like, hey. you know, there's a lot. Of, hey. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of guys who win this championship and they're going on their Instagram and they're posting, but they haven't done shit. They don't even deserve to like say they won a championship. He was obviously referencing Dwight Howard. So there's a long history of dissonance between those two. Yep. Because as we mentioned earlier, Dwight was supposed to be the second coming of Shaq. They both started on the same team. They were both very talented centers. So they played the same position even. And we're supposed to be these generational talents. Shaq lived up to it. Dwight got hurt. You know, he just wasn't the same after he got hurt, but just didn't live up to it either. But Dwight really tried to take on Shaq's, like, corny humor, and he gave himself the nickname Superman, which Shaq also kind of had at one point. And they would just both give themselves, like, stupid nicknames all the time. And I think Shaq just kind of got sick of it he's like stop trying to do my shtick you know like i was me just you be you and dwight's just like well no one likes me so (laughs) i just need more nicknames so people will like me and i think part of it too why shaq probably was wasn't is still annoyed is shaq proved it in his career oh yeah shaq won four championships he's an all-time great center No one reputable will say that Dwight Howard had a better career than Shaq. No. That will never happen. You could have argued after the first five years of Dwight Howard's career that, wow, if he keeps this up, it's going to be similar to Shaq. The initial trajectory, yep, was... Initial trajectory, yes. This was actually the second coming of Shaq. This guy is legit. And then it kind of fell apart. So this is where, obviously in L.A., Kobe and Shaq had some interesting personal dilemmas. Shout out to Phil Jackson again for being able to handle huge personalities. Yep. Big part the best of being a head at that coach. ever. Yeah. Zen master. Zen master. But while Shaq well Shaq and Kobe had that issue. Overall Shaq was a good teammate. Overall, yep. He respected his coaches. He was good to his fellow players. Dwight Howard, starting with that Stan Van Gundy bullshit, turned out to be a toxic teammate. Oh, a yeah. A toxic addition to a roster. Because he got Stan Van Gundy fired. He got nice, Minnesota nice, Kevin McHale fired in Houston. Right. Yeah, because when he went to Houston, it was supposed to be like, oh, Dwight Howard's the missing piece. Now we're going to win this championship. Yes. And did not work. 
<laughs> so then he was on Atlanta for, oh, I think, a year or two. He went to Charlotte. He was on the Wizards. Dwight Howard went around to some bad teams. I Was there a point where Josh Smith and Dwight Howard were on the Hawks together? No, Josh Smith has been out of the league for a little bit. That's too bad. That would have been great. <laughs> But yeah, but, Dwight Howard is really... I mean, Shaq, Shaq ring chase at the end of his career, but it was after he had won four championships. Yeah. Dwight hadn't won anything. No. And, he just won his first championship being a very sparingly used bench player. And he went to bad teams and didn't make them a lot better. It wasn't... No one was like, wow, Atlanta might make the playoffs because they have Dwight Howard. They were like, oh, Dwight's on the Dwight's on the Hawks? Okay. And then the next year, it's like, oh, he's on the Hornets. That's that's something. They're not going to win. But, you know, that's not how you talk about generational talents. They don't just fizzle out, you know, and, like, end up in Charlotte. Well, and again, and, like, he got injured, but there are players who have come back from injury that have played well. Oh, absolutely. And there are also players who have just continued to play well in their careers and go to a different team and still play well. Like, a, an example I'll give is a big guy is Mark Gasol. He played great in Memphis. Yep. Legend in Memphis. Legend in Memphis. And he went to Toronto, and he's been good in Toronto. Yeah. He's older now, but, like, he's been so consistent. Dwight Howard... And I would much rather have Marcus Gasol on my team than Dwight Howard. 100%. I don't know if anyone would choose Dwight Howard. Lakers I, fans would, because Lakers fans can be so delusional. If I hit... So, Dwight probably had the higher peak, though. I would... I would say, like, the, sure. the first few years in Orlando, Dwight Howard had the higher peak than Marcus Saul. And that's what's so strange about Dwight Howard is, look, yeah, he had, he, had, he had a big injury, but I don't know. So many players have come back from injuries and been okay. But regardless, he's on this Lakers team. I mean, he did play minutes in the playoffs, but he is not the reason that they won the title. Dwight Howard's biggest problem has been Dwight Howard. I mean, he's had this complex. Like he it, was, it so he was, is. he was really good. I think the point I'm trying to make is he was really good, and then wasn't. He's not still really good. He's not the Dwight Howard in Orlando. Nope. He doesn't, frankly, deserve the respect of the Dwight Howard in Orlando. He deserves no. the respect of a bench player because he's been on at least five other teams since then. Yeah, he deserves the respect of a bench player on a championship team. Yeah. So like. You can get the amount of respect I have for J.J. Well, I have more respect for J.J. Barea, but, like, that level of respect. And J.J. Barea, I would argue, did more for the Mavs team when yeah. they won than Dwight Howard did for this Lakers team. Well, yeah. I mean, Rondo came off the bench, did more for this Lakers team. Caruso was coming off the bench, then got the start. He did more for the Lakers team. I mean, yeah. Rondo, Caruso, KCP, yeah. uh, Kuzma, they all did more. Yeah. Yeah. Whichever Morris twin it was that was on the team. Marcus? <laughs> I think it was Keefe. <laughs> you, can't, you can't keep them straight. I think it was Markeef that was on the Lakers. But they did more, whichever one it was. Yeah. So yeah, Dwight Howard is like the ninth most important person on that Lakers team. And he's just showing off the trophy and talking mad shit about how he's on the championship team. And you're like, okay. <laughs> Right, was Shaq always kind of having the thing with Dwight? It makes sense that he was the one to call him out for it. Yeah, and I think anything that Dwight does like that, Shaq will call him out. And shout out to Shaq, because I love Shaq. The big Aristotle, baby. Big Aristotle, baby. <laughs> Shaq, Shaq has a super low talking voice, if you've never heard it. <laughs> Any kind of mumbles? It's like it's like this like it's a powerful voice, but it's also kind of like soft. Like it's it's powerful, but it's kind of like airy. Yeah, but it's that's true. Mumbled and it's low. I love Shaq. I Sha mean, Shaq's great. Shaq's a real one, honestly. Shaq's great. Uh, that's why I love watching. And shout out to Inside the NBA. Inside the NBA is legit one of the best shows on TV. Yeah, they do a great job. They do a great job. All three of those guys who are players are great. Ernie's great. Like they. I mean, Kenny is actually a really good analyst. I like Kenny. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and Charles Barkley is one of my favorite people. That dude is... Charles Charles Barkley is the best. He is the best. I'm going to go off script here and tell a Charles Barkley story that was written about, and I think it was actually on NPR a couple of years ago. Okay. Because this has an Iowa connection. There was a guy in, I want to say it was 
I think Iowa City, which is in eastern Iowa, or Coralville, which is a suburb of Iowa City. There was this Asian guy who was, I think he was a doctor. I could also be wrong. Anyway, he was at a conference, met Charles Barkley at this hotel bar. I know what you're talking about. And they about. just started, like, talking. Yeah. And they started hanging out and whatever, and they had this long, like, they had dinner together that night, and these long conversations, they exchanged numbers, and they stayed in touch for a while. I think they saw each other a couple other times. Anyway, this guy in Iowa City ends up passing away. And his daughter is the one who wrote this story. Um, and at the funeral, Charles Barkley shows up. Yeah. And it was just like, what? The, I mean, the family was just like, this is really, really odd. <laughs> Why? Why is Charles Barkley at this random funeral? But right. he talked to the family about how important this guy was to him and how he, how he really gained a relationship with this guy who he didn't know from anybody. Yeah. And, and that's it, just like, shout out to Charles Barkley, because that's a real one right there. Oh, Charles Barkley is, he's a real one for sure. That's when keeping it real goes right. You just want, like, I think it's so cool when somebody who, of his stature, is just like, I just want to meet people and have like a human connection and get to know people and have conversation. He doesn't value himself more than anybody because he played in the NBA, has this great gig with TNT. Yeah. He just wants to be, like, he wants to value other people as people and be valued the same. Like, that's cool. Absolutely. That's, so, how, that's how we should all aspire to be. Yes. But speaking of big men who like talking to people, Nikola Pekovic kind of made your news radar the other day. So Peck was a player for the Wolves in the early 2010s. He was a good center, big opposing brute force. Huge, he, huge dude. Like... Even professional athletes were scared to play against him. Yeah. <laughs> Centers who you were like, wow, that guy's a tough guy. I was like, I, there were a couple, I don't remember who it was, but there were a couple guys who were asked about who is the guy you hate going up against the most. And they were like, Peck in Minnesota. Yeah. He's terrifying. I'm almost scared just watching him play basketball on TV. Like, I'm going to get hurt watching that guy. So Peck had to end his career early due to injury. And he's from Montenegro, which is an Eastern European country. He went back to Montenegro, bought a hotel, bought a nightclub, and apparently also um, entered himself into the world of uh, being a mobster, like basically. <laughs> yeah, drug trafficking. Drug trafficking. <laughs> he, he is associated with two of the most well-known cocaine distributors in the entire world. Yep. Known for taking cocaine from South America to Europe. And yeah, so one the the money quote for me in the article is that quote, according to a Serbian friend of mine, no one in the Serbian and Montenegrin region talks about Pekovic as a former NBA player, but as a mobster. End quote. How good do you have to be at being a mobster when you, when you had like a fairly successful NBA career to not yeah. be known at all as an NBA player? Right. I, I haven't looked it up. There cannot be that many NBA players from Montenegro. I mean, this guy's huge, too. It's not like he's, you know, average size and just made no. it due to, like, athleticism that's kind of waned over the years type of thing. But, no, this dude, you're like, okay, you were either, like, in MMA or you were in the NBA or you did something. Yeah. You're, like, the world's best bar bouncer something. <laughs> like... <laughs> Uh, and he was pretty close to that. Now he's just dealing drugs and living the life, apparently. Yeah, I mean, I think one thing I was thinking about was how how many people does he have around him that are as opposing as him? Yeah. Or imposing, sorry. Like, how many people does he have around him that... Who are his bodyguards? Like, yeah. I mean, he's 6'11". Who, who's his muscle? He's probably 6'11 and like 260 pounds of, of muscle. muscle. Yeah. So like if he's the, the like you look at, watch The Godfather. And that's his nickname, by the way, which is part of the best part. Yeah. But watch The Godfather and you have Marlon Brando who looks all old and sickly. And you have like these tougher dudes around him. 
Who are his tougher no. dudes? If he has the, tougher dudes, the that tough is like the squad the I never want to go up against. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably why he's so good at dealing drugs around. But any like <laughs> any documentary you watch or any like any movie or show about gangsters or mobs, even though maybe the main guy is tough, there's always another guy who's tougher. Always. So if there's another guy who's tougher with Peck, that scares the shit out of me. Yeah, if that person exists anywhere in the world. <laughs> I want nothing to do with that. Nope. Or I want everything to do with it, and they can be my bodyguards too. Yeah, if they're on my side, perfect. <laughs> so shout out to Peck for living your best life there, buddy. Also, kind of in relation with Shaq News, or uh, the Dwight Howard News really, is Stan Van Gundy, who Dwight got fired from Orlando. Claims he didn't, but obviously did. Got hired to, on the Pelicans. So shout out to Stan Van. Getting a job again. Shout out to Stan Van. Although you're, uh, you're sad that his Twitter is probably <clears throat> going to get shut down. So it sounds like it won't. Oh, he's allowed to keep it? I He said, he was he interviewed with somebody and said that he's going to continue to tweet. It sounds like he may dial it down a bit, but he'll continue to tweet. It's great to me that Stan Van found Twitter six months ago. And now is just like tweeting all the time, like all day, every day. <laughs> it's like, what was your life incomplete before this? I just have to say something, though. Say it. This is not an indictment on Stan Van. Because, Stan Van, I love you. If a white person had to get that job, I'm glad it was him. But, God damn it, I'm going to sound like a broken record, sound like a broken record, sound like a broken record, sound like a broken record. Because Our, our production quality is top-notch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those live loops are pretty great, Paul. That was, yeah. that was really nice. Uh, should we just keep looping it? Sound like a broken record. Sound like a... Three so, minutes. <laughs> here's the deal. It's sad to me that we just talked about this in our last episode. And it fucking happens again. And not only does it happen once, Paul, it happens twice because the Pacers hired Nate Bjorkren. We're probably butchering the name. Which, shout out to Nate, because he's also an Iowa boy. Yep. He was an assistant with the Raptors. And really, he's kind of followed Nick Nurse around for a long time. Was an assistant at the Iowa Energy, their D-League affiliate. When they won the championship, he coached a D-League team yeah, in his cool. own yeah, right. He's, he's from Storm Lake, Iowa. And, like, that's cool. That's kind of a follow your dream sort of story. He played for Buena Vista University in Storm Lake, Iowa. Like, who the fuck goes from Storm Lake and still there in college? And is now a head coach of the NBA. So it's great. But you know what? I feel like we've had plenty of those stories of white dudes working their way up and working hard and then getting jobs. And it's like... Well, yeah, that is, that is kind of the problem. It's like the rags to riches story works for the white guy and no one else. Again, I'm sorry. People are going to get fucking annoyed with me saying this, but Sam Cassell still is not an NBA head coach. And there's a lot of other people, too, who should be yes. head Yes. I just use him as, as an example because he's been an assistant for so long. Yes. And so as of right now, there's still two vacancies left. But there are six out of the 30 teams that have black head coaches. And frankly, they can do better. They can do a lot better. And unfortunately, I'm concerned that neither of these two incoming hires will be black. I don't think they will be. Probably not. If one of them is, it'll be OKC. Yep. I think that's the best chance they have. And we don't really know what OKC is looking for in a coach or even next season. That's just kind of an oddball out You know, Sam Presti is such a good GM, but he's been really quiet about the search. Yeah. And it's odd because, again, OKC had such an interesting season where they were, no one thought they would make the playoffs. Chris Paul leads them to the playoffs. They take Houston seven games. So it's like, do we continue this or do we blow it up? And I think that's probably the conversation they're having. And it, what's kind of interesting, too, is that Billy Donovan did a good job as their coach last year. And all the reporting said it was a mutual decision between him and the organization to part ways. So I guess maybe that tells us that maybe they are going to blow it up. Chris Paul for player coach. I would kind of love that, actually. And then he gets traded, and they're like, oh, do we need a coach now? <laughs> I do hope that Chris Paul coaches. I think he'd be a great coach. I think he will eventually. He should. Seems like a lot of point guards kind of naturally transition into that. I know Rondo wants to coach. 
<laughs> I'm not sure if any team's going to hire Rondo as a coach. He's had some toxic uh, personality issues on different franchises. Yeah, he's so. had some major personality issues. Like post-KG and Paul Pierce and Ray Allen Celtics, when he was kind of the guy, it yep. was not great. It wasn't good. I mean, any Mavericks fan is going to be like spitting on Rondo's name. He quit yes. on that team. Yes. He straight up was just like, what if I don't play and I still get my money? And they were like, wait, you serious? <laughs> I mean, he just, that dude just quit on that team. Fuck Rondo. Yeah, kind of fuck Rondo. But regardless, 6 out of 30 right now. Could be better, should be better. Hopefully in the future it gets better. Well, here's what's disappointing to me and kind of discouraging, honestly. I think the most, I think the be, the, the, the highest ratio was at one point 13 out of 30. It's almost half. Yeah. And now we're at six? It's gone down. Best case, we're at eight. I don't think we'll get to eight. I think we'll stay at six. And some of these current coaches, Lloyd Pierce in Atlanta, J.B. Bickerstaff on the Cavs, Dwayne Casey on the Pistons, those are some bad teams. I mean, sorry to lump my own Atlanta in there, but, you know, if Atlanta really doesn't do well this season, Lloyd Pierce may be out of a job. Dwayne Casey may be out in Detroit, depending on what they want to do. Same with Bickerstaff and Cleveland. They're all franchises in transition. Atlanta's far closer than the other two to realizing any sort of goal, though. Right, and that probably also makes Lloyd Pierce more on the hot seat than the yeah. others. But, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if Dwayne Casey's like, look, I'm a really good coach. I won Coach of the Year, like, three years ago. I want a better job than Detroit. Where I have literally nobody to work with. And maybe transferring to a different team. But That's again what's hilarious to me though about Billy Donovan going to the Bulls. Like, why weren't the Bulls calling Dwayne Casey? Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Like, it's just it shows it shows the prejudice and it shows the entitlement and the privilege of, of white people in general, but white coaches. And not that Billy Donovan's a bad coach. He's not. He's a good coach. But Dwayne Casey's a good coach. Yeah, I mean, Dwayne Casey... And a proven coach. Yeah. He was a really... And it wasn't quite a Mark Jackson to Steve Kerr type of situation. It wasn't. Because the Toronto Raptors were a very good team. And then they got Kawhi and Nick Nurse. So show yeah, show me that Toronto team with Kawhi, coached by Dwayne Casey. Right. Maybe they don't win the championship, but they probably come close. Yeah. And I mean, Nick Nurse is also just a very good coach, too. We're not trying to take away from Nick Nurse. But like... Not at all. But Dwayne Casey is a better coach than Mark Jackson all day and all night. And Detroit is shit, 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 shit. Shit. They are shit. They, they are might, so bad. They might be the worst franchise in the NBA right now. They're close. The, their current state, yes. Yes, their current state. Their, their current state is bottom five for sure. If we showed up to their complex and we're like, we'll take minimum salary and just be on your roster, they'd be like, you know, maybe. Maybe we'll just try to make some money out of this, not actually put a team together. And uh, you guys you guys just won't play, but you're only going to make minimum salary. They're that bad. And this is the thing, too. Like, Stan Van was the president of basketball operations in Detroit and the head coach. It didn't go well. No, it didn't. And that's nothing against Stan Van as a coach. A so, lot. Dwayne Casey, like, that's, I guess, what I'm saying is Dwayne Casey is not a bad coach. <laughs> He's just in a bad situation. The Pistons have just been bad for a long time, really. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it's kind of that way with J.B. Bickerstaff also on the Cavs. Like, he was an interim coach last year, became full, full-time coach this year. I don't know what the Cavs are trying to do. They may just, they may keep J.B. Bickerstaff. They may not, like. So let's do something on the fly. I'm going to, this is, like, totally not planned. Go to the Wikipedia page of the NBA head coaches. Yep. What I want to do is this a fun little segment where we try and predict what coaches will lose their jobs <laughs> this year. <laughs> These are always kind of fun. Steve Nash? <laughs> Steve. 
Steve Nash probably won't lose his job I'm this kidding. year. Man, the Nets are going to be interesting to watch. So we're just going to go from A to Z. I'm just going to shout out some names. We'll say yay and nay. Lloyd Pierce, I don't think he loses his job. Right, because the Hawks are clearly going to make the playoffs. I think then, so. And then Lloyd Pierce keeps his job. If the Hawks make make the playoffs, Lloyd Pierce for sure keeps his job. Probably for at least a couple more years for goodwill because the Hawks made the playoffs. Yeah. Brad Stevens, there's no way he loses his job. Steve Nash, first year coach, he won't lose his job. James Borrego with the Hornets, probably not. The Hornets are like the Pistons in that they're just terrible. No matter what, no matter what James Borrego does, they're going to be terrible. You can't um, judge a coach from that. Billy Donovan, no, because he's the first year with the Bulls. Bickerstaff in Cleveland, he could be one where they get rid of because they may maybe. be looking for a different change of pace. Yeah. Rick Carlisle, he's going to stay there. Mike Malone's staying. Dwayne Casey, we already touched on. Steve Kerr, for Steve sure, stays. Staying. Houston Rockets, whoever they hire will be there. Yep. Nate Bjorkren with the Pacers just was hired. He'll be there. Ty Lue with the Clippers will be there. He'll probably be there. <clears throat> Frank Vogel. So, let me pitch to you a scenario. Because I don't think Frank Vogel is that great of a coach. Most likely he keeps his job. Oh, yeah. He, whenever you win the title, you always get extra leash. Always. But let's say they start 0-6. 10 and 15. He loses his job. You think so? I don't think so. Yes, absolutely. Okay, we can disagree on that. Taylor Jenkins with the Grizzlies. That's an interesting one. So he was, I think he just started with them last year. He's only been there one year. He's a young dude. He's a young dude. He probably keeps his job, but the Grizzlies were really close to the playoffs this year and they kind of biffed it. It kind of, see, yeah. So I think Next. if they, I think if they underperform, like if they only win 25 to 30 games, and the players don't really develop that well. He might lose his job. Yep. Spolstra, no way. Keep his job. Mike Budenholzer should probably not have his job currently. So, I'll kind of piggyback off of my Frank Vogel comment. I agree with you that it's not as likely. Even if the Lakers get off to a, a bad start, it's not as likely, but it's possible. But if if the Bucks get off to like an... And they've been a great regular season team, like we've said. That's kind of the problem. They've been really good the regular season. But if they start off bad, if they're like five and ten, or yeah, or like ten and twelve, he gets fired. Absolutely, for sure. Ryan Saunders on the Timberwolves. Um, I think he keeps his job solely because the franchise has changed so much, and he hasn't had a consistent team to coach. Now, if the Wolves do okay this year, and then next year they underperform, he'll be gone. Yep. But I think he keeps it for now. Yeah, I think two years for him is sort of the baseline. Yep. Stan Van on the Pelicans. Obviously just got the job. Yep. Tom Thibodeau. We've made this known in the past. He's the new coach for the Knicks, signed a five-year deal. He'll probably keep it through the whole year, but he's so toxic. Who knows? Yeah. Two two years from now is also the over-under for him, solely because he signed a five-year deal. Uh, Steve Clifford on the Magic. I think if the Magic don't make the playoffs, he loses his job. Yeah, the Magic That's again. That's what I think. The Magic again are a weird team. They may just blow it up, too. They may trade some people. Because Jonathan Isaac is out for the year. Who knows what they do? Doc Rivers with the 76ers. He'll keep his job. Because he's brand new. Monty Williams with the Phoenix Suns. Yes. I think so. If they repeat... I mean, they don't have to go undefeated like they did in the bubble, but... He had them on the right track in the bubble. Yes. Terry Stotts with the Trailblazers, he'll have it. I'm not so sure. Oh, okay. So this might be a hot take, and I love Terry Stotts. It is a hot take. What what I could see happening is if the Trailblazers, and look, Paul mentioned this before. The Trailblazers have underperformed a lot. Like, Well, they've over and underperformed. They've underperformed overall. Mainly due to injury. They've had they a have major a injury every year. Yep. Um, but they have not ever been able to get over any hump in the playoffs. They've never been able to make a real good run. And Terry Stotts has been there for a long time. Yeah, he has. Eight he's, years. Yep. So, I think if he's not able to get them to... I, I think if they don't win... First of all, if they don't make the playoffs, I think he's for sure gone. And they're always in that 7-8 seed, always flirting with not making the playoffs. If they make the playoffs but don't win a series, I think he may still be gone. And it could be one of those things of mutual parting of ways as we hear. Yep. 
because he's been there for a while. He's a really good coach. And frankly, he would be one that I would think should and would, even though he's a white dude, get another head coaching job right away. Yes, I agree with that. Okay. Luke Walton on the Sacramento Kings. He gone. He gone. Greg Popovich, we talked he about He gone. No, I'm no. kidding. He will stay there as long as he wants. Nick Nurse on the Raptors, he's staying there as long yep. as he wants. Quinn Snyder. That's an interesting one. I I think they could use a shakeup. I agree. So let me let me riddle you this, Batman. Okay, Joker. Are you Robin? I don't know who you want to be. I don't know. <laughs> what if the Utah Jazz hired Terry Stotts? Uh fine. They're in the same division, but like I, that's what I'm saying. Stotts would be a great guy to go to an established team. Yes. Like the Jazz. Yeah. So, I agree. Like I, that, that's a that's a scenario I'm just putting out. Quinn Snyder might be gone by the end of the year. If the Utah Jazz start out slow, he might be gone. Uh the last one, Scott Brooks on the Wizards. No one cares about the Wizards. It doesn't matter. <laughs> no one no one cares about Scott Brooks either. Nothing. I think there. he's probably gone after this year. If so here's the deal. John Wall's back and he's supposed to be healthy. If they do not make the playoffs, he's gone. Dude, John Wall did an interview recently, and he was playing spades through the whole thing. I loved it. I saw that. That was great. (laughs) He just couldn't be bothered. (laughs) It was great. All right. Changing topics. I have some trade ideas for you. Are you ready? 100%. Quinn Snyder for Terry Stotts. Straight up, who says no? I think the Blazers say no. I don't think... I think they say no. But I don't think they're, like, devastated by the trade either, even if the commissioner, like, forces it through type of thing. All right. We're going to start out swinging. You ready for this? The Celtics get rid of Gordon Hayward because his time there has kind of been cursed. He got hurt in, like, the first minute of the first game he played for them and hasn't quite been the same player since. So they trade him to the Pacers. They include a first-round pick this year, a second-round pick in another year, 2022, whatever. The Celtics, in return, get Miles Turner and TJ McConnell. Gordon Hayward kind of fits in with what the Pacers are doing. Miles Turner's redundant with Sabonis. I like Sabonis better anyway. I like it. Miles Turner can fit in on the Celtics. Miles he's, Turner would actually be great on the Celtics. They could totally use him. And plus, he's a very like fluid big man. So Yep, he would take some of those Grant Williams minutes that are happening right now. Maybe some of the Robert Williams minutes. Um, and maybe the Celtics flip one of those two players. Because those are also good players. They're good young players. But Miles Turner, he's an excellent defender. I mean, think of how good the Celtics were on defense. And how much better they'd be with Miles Turner. The Pacers might think they can get more for him than one year of Gordon Hayward. Maybe they think they can re-sign Gordon Hayward. So have you read the new news on Gordon Hayward? I have not. You're a prophet, Paul. The Pacers are interested in acquiring Gordon Hayward. Well, hell yeah. So if I just put stuff in the trade machine, it's going to happen. And remember he went to Butler. Yes. So I I would not be surprised if the Pacers signed him. And extended him. He would get a decent deal for the rest of his career. Play in Indiana. Be on a good team. I think it makes sense. And if the Celtics can get Miles Turner for Gordon Hayward. And hell yeah. Because here's the deal. The Celtics, while Hayward was. While his addition in the playoffs when he came back from injury. Was helpful. It didn't put him over the edge. If they get a big man. Yeah, yeah. probably. Yeah. Oh yeah. And TJ McConnell's a decent backup point guard, too. And like you said, defense. I mean... Oh, that... Oh, yeah. Because the Celtics' defense... We talk about the Heat's defense, how good it was. You gotta give credit to the Celtics' defense. They improved a lot. And Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown... Well, Jalen Brown especially. Oh, yeah. But both of those guys, they're gonna be wicked defenders. And you had Miles Turner to that mix. Marcus Smart, like... That's... It's lockdown mode. Yeah, I mean, if, if it's the last defensive possession of a game, you take out Kemba, probably. You have Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, probably Tice and Turner. Yeah, that's a doggy dog lineup. How do you score on that? 
I don't know if you do. I I kind of like that trade. I like that trade. Awesome. I'm one for one. We're making it happen. All right, got locked out. Here we go. Trailblazers and Kings decided they're close in proximity. They uh dial up the old rotary phone. You still got some landlines connected over there. Trailblazers get Harrison Barnes because they've never had a small forward who's any good. <laughs> they just they've never had one. The Kings, for their trouble, get Trevor Ariza, Anthony Simons, who's kind of shown some promise in his NBA time, and a sign and trade with Hassan Whiteside. I like that because the Kings are trash. They're fucking garbage. They're, and it was tough to make a trade with the Kings because I didn't know what they were going for next year. There's been talk of Buddy Heald being traded, who's arguably their best player depending on how you value players. There's actually been talks of the Wolves potentially going after Buddy Heald. Yeah, and if you trade Buddy Heald, what do you do with De'Aaron Fox? What do you do with Marvin Bagley? Do you just build around those two? Why would you not keep Heald in that instance? Like, I, that's where I don't quite know what they're going for, what they're doing. I don't think they know what they're doing either, honestly. I don't even know if they know if Marvin Bagley's a four or a five. The Blazers get Barnes, who, like you said, I mean, Harrison Barnes is... Also, by the way, Ames, Iowa, shout Dude. out to Harrison Barnes. Shout out to Harrison Barnes. Harrison Barnes was supposed to be a really good player. He's not a really good player, but he's a good player. He is, he is a good player. He is a winning player. And he's an upgrade for sure for that position for the, the Blazers. Yep. He's, he would be the most consistent three they've had since Nicholas Batum. And maybe he plays the four. Maybe you bring Melo off the bench. Because, I mean, with Barnes, you're looking at probably, I mean, obviously Lillard McCollum in their current iteration. Probably Barnes and Gary Trent, some yeah. combo of three and four, and then Nurkic at the five. I like that lineup. That's a good lineup. Yep. And I don't really think they care about losing Whiteside. They took Whiteside as a salary dump anyway. Like, Miami was just trying to get rid of Whiteside. They incorporated that. The Kings, I think if they think Bagley's a four... They're fine with having Whiteside on the team. And I think they don't really care because they suck. So Yeah, there is also that. <laughs> I just I didn't know what the Kings were gonna do. I was trying to figure out something because Harrison Barnes just doesn't seem like he's needed on that team. Alright, here's one for you. The Mavs and the Cavs, you're like, our names sound familiar. Let's let's work something out. The Mavs are kind of in a win now mode. Porzingis is healthy, which is never a known quantity. Luka's been great. He's still on a rookie scale, so you can pay someone else more money. And they, I think they believe they have a shot at the title next year. I think they saw how deep they got this year. And they think they want to try to win it next year. This isn't quite an upgrade for them. Dwight Powell was a very good player for them, and he got hurt. Um, they would trade him to the Cavs. Who are just, they're a whatever. Basically in exchange for Larry Nance. Who's a similar type of player to Dwight Powell. But has been healthy. And he's shown some flashes. Like Larry Nance has kind of shot some three-pointers. He's shot some outside shots. He's got a nice little game. He's, he's kind a of, good bench player. He's kind of under the radar good rim runner. Sure. He's a good player. Uh, the Cavs for their trouble also get Jalen Brunson. Who's a good young player. Sure. I think the Mavs, they may not make this deal, depending on how they feel about Brunson and Dwight Powell being healthy. But Dwight Powell hurt his knee. It's possible he doesn't come back the same as he was before. I think if they think... Plus they have Boban. I, I think the Mavs are trying to win now. I think if they think they can get an upgrade to their player for the low cost of Jalen Brunson, maybe they do it. And I think, Paul, what's interesting about this trade and important is that sometimes trades aren't sexy. And this is one where you're giving up two players that maybe are okay for a player that is a an average player-ish. But Larry Nance can be a contributor. He's not – I mean, he's like a 15-minute-a-night guy, but you still need good 15-minute-a-night guys. See, I, I'm a little higher on Larry Nance Jr. than that. I think he has the potential – to be 
borderline fifth starter on a championship team? I don't think you want him like in your top and four. And I do not currently. I think he has. I think if the Mavs also feel he has that potential and they can kind of get that out of him, because look, no one looks good on the Cavs, right? <laughs> I think if they think they have something in him, they might make that trade. All right. Not sure how you're going to feel about this one. The Suns and the Thunder. Okay. I heard, I actually heard some rumblings about this. So this is not quite my original idea. The Suns get Chris Paul from the Thunder. Wow. The Thunder get Kelly Oubre Jr. And just some second round pick or maybe even a first round pick. Probably not. They also might ask for Rubio back. In, in my deal, Rubio stays with the Suns, but then it becomes redundant. Rubio would probably get traded somewhere else if this was the case. The Suns have been linked to Chris Paul because I think they feel Chris Paul and Devin Booker would just be insane offense. That would be insane. They're probably right, yeah. I actually, I like that trade. I do, so yeah, I, w- I would amend and I would put Rubio in that trade. Because if, honestly, I actually like that trade for the Thunder. If they get Rubio... And Kelly Oubre? And Kelly Oubre is a good player. To me, this is just getting rid of salary. Chris Paul is owed $40 million for two years. But Rubio even, like, Rubio and Gilgis Alexander would work well next to each other. Yep. Well, and, yeah, for the Thunder, they have Gilgis Alexander, and they have Dort, who was a good player this year. And bringing Oubre in, he could have a, a larger offensive role. Yep. The Thunder are just in such a weird position. I'm not sure what they're looking for. I don't know if they're going to try to trade Chris Paul for a semi-good player and like still just try to win this year, or if they just kind of want some cap space and maybe sign a player in two years. I don't know what they're looking for. But I wouldn't be surprised if Chris Paul gets traded and if he ends up on the Suns. And that Suns team would be pretty crazy. I mean, that backcourt would be nuts. Oh, yeah. And I like Aiton as a player. They they still have a few holes. Like I don't think they're going to win the title next year. But I think if you add Chris Paul, you're expected to make the playoffs next year. Yes. I like it. All right, here's one. The Clippers and the Nets. So both teams want to win the title next year. That's why this trade's kind of interesting. Because normally, title contenders are, you know, even... Teams within their own conference don't really like trading with each other because you never want to give your opponent the better advantage, right? You don't want to trade away your best player and get their worst player back. Right. But both the Clippers and the Nets want to win. So you're dealing with the enemy here. I think they both feel, though, that they're a piece or two away. And so that this trade kind of clogs some holes for both teams. I'm not sure either team would do it. But the Clippers get Spencer Dinwiddie. Okay. Because, honestly, they need a playmaker. Yeah. He's, like, the fourth best playmaker on the Nets. Yeah. But that's because they have three absurdly good playmakers. He's Correct. still He's a very good player. And Joe Harris. Okay. Yeah. Because Joe Harris is going to make some money. He's Joe Harris is going to make probably 15 mil. I, I had him in a sign-and-trade in this deal at 15 mil. He might get more than that. But Joe Harris is a very good player. Yeah. And he fits in well on any team. Yes. And that may be, the Nets may not want to give him up. Uh, the Nets in return for those two good players would get Patrick Beverly and Montrez Harrell. So the thinking here, DeAndre Jordan is probably going to start at center. Yeah. You have Jared Allen, who's right now your backup center. But Jared Allen has some trade value. I think if they get Harrell to be their backup center, they probably trade Jared Allen and either get a first round pick out of it. Maybe another young asset, something like that. Um, and Patrick Beverly would just be a, a defensive upgrade. Yes. You know, and when you have Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, you can have the Deandre Jordans and Patrick Beverly's on the floor and not worry about your offense. So I think he kind of, I'm not sure he would start at shooting guard, but that was kind of where my brain thought process was that yeah you have just another defensive stopper there 
I don't hate it. I think it. I mean, I think it makes sense. And again, I'm not sure either team would do this. I think it. I think it helps both teams, and I think that's why each team wouldn't do it because they want to beat the other team. I also kind of don't care because fuck the Nets, but yeah, but whatever. All right, this next one is kind of a an out there trade. So I was thinking about the Trailblazers and how they don't have a lot of success. Like, they, they make it to the playoffs. They're kind of like the Atlanta teams back in the late 2000s and, I guess, early 2010s where they were really good teams, but you were never worried about them winning the title. Like, Portland, you're not surprised they make the playoffs, but they're not going to win. They're not going to trade Dame. Damian Lillard is a great player. He's a top 10 player in the NBA. He's, I mean... He's not a top he's, 10 player. He's a top 10 player for you, not for me. Yeah, whatever. You're wrong. But he's key to that <laughs> franchise. He is their cornerstone. Yes. They're not trading Damian Lillard. Correct. I really like Nurkic, and he's on a great contract right now. So they're not trading Nurkic. Sure. That leaves CJ McCollum. One of your best options is trading CJ McCollum, who's, I think he's 29 years old. So you have to trade him to a team who wants an upgraded shooting guard, what they believe is an upgrade, and are kind of in a win-now mode. You know, you're not going to trade them to Atlanta because Atlanta's like, no, we got our shooting guard who's 20 and we're just going to develop him. You know, I suggested to you that he go to the Nuggets because, wow, the Nuggets, the shooting guard, Will Barton is probably their shooting guard, maybe a small forward. It's kind of an open position. CJ McCollum would be an upgrade to them. The Trailblazers get back Gary Harris, who's a good player, and he's an upgrade on defense over C.J. McCollum. Yes. And Torrey Craig, who's also an upgrade at defense. But I do know, talking about, honestly, this kind of makes sense, I think. And I know that Jeremy Grant is on a contract year. Yeah, Jeremy. so Jeremy Grant is, I think, a free agent right now. And if I'm Denver, I would take Jeremy Grant over Gary Harris. Personally. Yeah, so this, in in my mind, the Nuggets signed Jeremy Grant to probably like a 20 mil a year. Yeah. Because he's going to make some money. Yep. So he so he's going to be their probably small forward, power forward of the future. And then CJ would be the shooting guard. But CJ alongside with Jamal Murray, that's some points. And alongside Jokic, because CJ is a good cutter too. How many points would that team average? Jesus. They do give up some defense. Like, CJ's a good defender, but Gary Harris is a better defender. I think if you re-sign Jeremy Grant and you get Will Barton back, you don't need Torrey Craig. But I think the And I think if you have Will Barton back, you don't necessarily need Gary Harris. If you get Will Barton back and you re-sign Jeremy Grant and you have CJ McCollum's offense, you're good with that. And there is some history with these teams. Nurkic came from the Nuggets. Right. They've done trades before. I like it. It's it's kind of out there. It's a lot to suggest that the Trailblazers are going to give up their third best player in CJ McCollum and get Gary Harris and Torrey Craig back. You know, it doesn't really feel like a great haul if you're a Trailblazers fan. But I I think if I think you bank on Gary Harris being healthy, and Gary a healthy Gary Harris is a good Gary Harris. It's a good player. And Torrey Craig is a good player too. Torrey Craig is a good player too. Yeah. All right, the last trade proposal. I floated this before before to you. <laughs> we kind of talked about it. This one's probably the most out there. Giannis for Harden, straight up. I love it. So, Milwaukee and Houston, kind of like I was saying with the Clippers and Nets, they both want to win the title. They both think that they're, they're ready to win the title. I mean, that's why you think Budenholzer is going to be fired, because... They're expected to win. It just hasn't happened for either team. Giannis fits in with uh, Houston. James Harden would fit in with Milwaukee. Like, they each have the pieces around them that would still work. Even though they play different positions and they have completely different games, each one would still work with the other team. I even think better than they work now with their respective teams. If you're looking for a shakeup, that's a shakeup. That's like a 
That's like a double-decker milkshake up. That's like huge. Yeah. But, I mean, Giannis on the Rockets, right? He probably becomes their starting center. Yeah. Which is dangerous. Because then P.J. Tucker is in the, still in the corner shooting his threes. Robert Covington is still in the corner shooting his threes. You still got Eric Gordon. You add a new dimension to your offense that you haven't had before. Yeah. And, I mean, James Harden is a very good player. The Rockets just haven't been able to win the title. They just haven't. And same with Milwaukee now for the last two years. James Harden on the Bucks gives them something different. I mean, he's got the lane opened up. You got Brooke Lopez standing in the corner. The Bucks are such a good defensive team they that could, yeah. he comes up and chucks them, and it's like, cool. And part of the reason they were so good on defense is Giannis. So you are losing that. <laughs> but you, but foundationally, they have so many other good defensive players. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It kind of works for each team. Like, I don't think Giannis or James Harden would really average any worse on the new team than they were this past year. Like, James Harden is still going to have a massive amount of points, a massive amount of assists. Giannis is still going to be a defensive player of the year candidate. Still right. get a lot of points. Right. Still get a lot of assists. Yep. Maybe it's what each team needs. It's just, it's so out there to trade within the top 10 players in the league because they're both consensus top 10. Just one for one straight up. Yeah. Well, here's here's the deal. Let's call Daryl Morey and let's... Oh, wait. Crap. He got fired. Or we'll he call, left. Call Tillman, Tillman for Tita. Yeah, I mean... It'll never happen, but I like it. It will never happen, but it, it is kind of an interesting, like, what if? What if, yeah. Because it that would be such a blockbuster trade. So rarely does a top 10 player get traded. And then for another top 10 player? Like, we were talking about CJ McCollum as being a big trade. Yeah. CJ McCollum is a top 20, 30 player. Probably top 30 or 40, honestly. Fair. I mean, we haven't yeah. talked about it, but... Yep. He's a, he's a very good player, but not like, you know, oh my God, have you seen the latest CJ McCollum highlight from tonight? And that's what James Harden and Giannis and Kumpo are. Yeah. Just one for one. It's like straight up, who says no? It might... And it'd be interesting if like one of the teams initiated it and the other one's like, <laughs> actually. Wait, wait, are you teasing me? Or is this like for real? Like, I don't think they say no outright. I think they do the research. They're like, wait a second. I, think, I never thought this would be a thing, but like, I think they have a moment of shock, and yeah. they think about it, and they're like, "Well, you know, we actually haven't really made it to the finals yet, either team. Maybe." And they're both max players, so like, it would work fine salary. Oh yeah, salary wise, just straight up one for one. Man, you got some crazy wacky ideas there, Paul. I'm kind of surprised you agreed with most of these. I thought, I thought some Dude, of them were but how many But how many trades in the NBA have been so fucking outlandish anyway? It's like... Oh, yeah, you get the Woj bomb and you're like, what the fuck happened here? <laughs> the Nets traded away 75 future picks for nobody. <laughs> One of my favorite trades ever is when Kyle Korver got traded on draft night to the Brooklyn Nets. No, from the Brooklyn Nets to the 76ers, I believe. And the Nets got cash considerations. They got like $70,000 for this pick. And they bought a fax machine. <laughs> That's right. And Kyle Korver Kyle is quoted as saying, like, I'm still in the NBA and the fax machine is broken or something like that. <laughs> Which is, I mean, not a lot of second round picks make it in the league 16 years. So props to Kyle Korver. Shout out to Kyle Korver. Shout out to Kyle Korver. But and still. Nets are going to net. I mean, we talk about the Knicks being dysfunctional, and they are, but the Nets are also dysfunctional. Oh, yeah, have been this, forever. This is the New Jersey Nets who made yeah. that trade. But still, this is one of my favorite trades. is like Kyle Korver for a fax machine. Who says no? <laughs> so, there, there are some weird trades, but... Yeah, I thought, I thought maybe one of those would fool you. Apparently not. Dude, nothing right. like that fucking fools me. It's just, I mean, because I... I believe anything that would come out. Like, you know what I mean? There's been so many outlandish things that have happened. By the way, this year has been so insane anyway. It's true. Like, I would, I mean, if, if they, if Woj was like, tonight was like, <clears throat> wow, uh, 
the LA Lakers and the Orlando Magic agreed for Anthony Davis and Nikola Vukovic swap, I'd be like, <laughs> I mean, okay. Okay, like, I don't know why they did that. That doesn't make any sense, but it's 2020. <laughs> but yeah, who the fuck knows? <laughs> LeBron James is traded. Or like, like, yeah, LeBron James <laughs> is cut from the Lakers. It's like, okay. Okay. <laughs> hey, so long as my boy John Collins doesn't get traded, we're good. So, that's a good segue. I know we said last episode we were going to talk about the draft this episode, but Paul and I did not do our research. I was, uh, I was making trades. It was more fun. <laughs> so, next episode... We'll commit here and now that we'll talk about the draft. And I'm excited to talk about John Collins next episode. Because he's so good? You'll see. Oh, damn it. I'm excited to talk about John Collins. I don't like this. Mysterious Matt is a bad Matt. Mysterious Matt (laughs) is the best Matt. (laughs) No, disagree. (laughs) Trust me. Only you think that. No one else thinks that. (laughs) So we'll we'll deep dive into... Look, I'm not going to go through all of the... All the potential picks and all of the um, prospects, because honestly, I don't care that much. But we'll talk about probably the top ten yep. teams that are picking. Talk about whether we think they'll make the pick or not, or trade down. Yep, or trade down, or or try to trade out of the draft completely, or whatever. Correct. Um, and then we'll kind of go from there, and we'll see what other. I'm sure. Look, the NBA is always so fun. There's always new stuff coming out every week, so hopefully, we'll have some new stuff to talk about. So. Um, that's the show I guess until next time yeah. I'm Matt I'm Paul thanks for listening to Basketballers